Welcome to Dialed In, a podcast by Callbox, where we talk with dental industry leaders and influencers about the latest trends, technologies, themes, and best practices in the business of dentistry. Be sure to subscribe directly or on your favorite podcast app and visit callbox.com slash dental to learn more about Callbox's innovative solutions for leveraging the phone at your practice. Hi, and thanks for joining us on Callbox Dialed In. My name is Katie Lawrence, and I am the Director of Consulting for Callbox. Here with me today, I'm so excited to have Holly Ann Mitchell of the Leadwell Network. Holly is the former CEO of CPW Dentistry and helped grow the practice from $1 million all the way up to $8 million. Holly is now an entrepreneur and consultant for her own company, the Leadwell Network that helps build leaders and live better lives. Thanks for joining me today, Holly. Thanks for having me, Katie. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just start right at the beginning. I know you've got a um, pretty interesting background from acting to somehow making it over to the dental industry. So would love for you to just give us a little bit of insight into um, your you know, journey uh, to where you are today. Sure, and dream is a perfect word. It certainly has been <laughs> a wild and crazy ride. So yeah, so my dream was to be an actress on Broadway, and that's why I moved to New York in the first place. I went to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, and about six months after school, I was working as an actor, well, failing to work as an actor. <laughs> Uh and yeah, it was tough going to auditions, and I found myself homeless. I was hmm. couch surfing and I had student loans to pay. And I, I realized this is not what I imagined. This is not sure. working out. And it's time to pivot, as Rob would say <laughs> on Friends. <laughs> yes, definitely. A great episode. Good reference. Um, yeah, I actually recently in my new Brooklyn apartment had an experience of trying to get a couch into a door that was too small for the episode in real life. <laughs> but so six months after school, couch surfing needed a different job. Thought about all the different things that I liked. I was always good at math and science. I had nice teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I might be a dentist. So a friend of mine said, why don't you go work in a dental office and see if you like it before you go back to school? And I, I <laughs> oh, that's good advice really for good sure. Advice, right. For all those uh, student loan debt payers out there. Right. So I, so I called up a bunch of offices and I had no experience. Uh, I worked, my only jobs really were, I had worked at Sonic as a car hop in high school and as a babysitter. And those were my only jobs <laughs> other than acting. So I, I found an office that was willing to meet with me. And I, I sat down with the owner and I said, look, I'll work for you for free. Just treat me oh, wow. do whatever you want. And then you can start paying me. <laughs> and so he did. So he put me at the front desk and I worked for two weeks uh, unpaid as an intern. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and he called me to, into his office and he said, I want to grow my practice what do you know about marketing? And I said, nothing, but, <laughs> but I can learn anything. So send me to a course. I'll read some books. We'll figure this thing out. And so we made me the marketing director and we doubled in size in the first year because of all the new wow. we were seeing. 
and we kept growing and growing year after year, five employees to 52, multiple locations. And, and that's been my journey to dentistry. And now I am helping other practices to grow, uh, both as leaders and with the revenue, of course. Wow, that is a truly incredible story. We uh, we actually have more in common than I even realized. I too was a Sonic car hop um, oh and have <laughs> a journey to far from there. So uh, I can oh, relate if you, I mean, to that. I don't, I don't eat these things anymore, but if you haven't tried oh. the Frito pie and the Root 40, <laughs> you know, you haven't lived until you've tried it. You'll probably be sick for days, but it's, it's okay going in. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes, worth it. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. So obviously, you know, with your uh, particular background, you've you know been able to stay in dentistry here for a little while. What keeps you kind of attracted to this industry, and and why uh, stay in dentistry? There's obviously lots of other opportunities, you know, to to grow and develop other companies as well. Talk to me about that. I think it's been a combination of the philosophy of grow where you're planted. Mm, and mm-hmm. also because I just have a heart for this industry. It's, it, it requires innovation in order for us to adapt to the changing marketplace. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much opportunity here. There's so many people to help. Uh, I like I like to help dentists and their teams, and I have so many stories of my own, so I, I feel like it's just a natural fit. And, and I had a lot of advice coming into being an entrepreneur and really thought about that. You know, do I go wide or do I, do I niche? And sure. there, there's something to be said about being a niche expert in your field and in, in what you choose to do. So I've been having a lot of fun in dentistry. And, and I think some of the, the spins that I'm putting on the work that I'm doing are a little different and, and certainly perk people's ears up when they figure out what I'm doing and the way that I'm doing it. Right. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's honestly what it takes, right. To keep growing your own business and to be able to keep helping other people grow theirs. Um, You've seen obviously incredible amounts of growth uh, and you've mentioned things like innovation and kind of getting to know the industry, but what do you feel like contributes the most to growth that you've been able to see? Oh, I, for me, it's habits Hmm. because who we are is a, is the sum of all of the habits that we choose to put into place every single day and as individuals and as leaders in our organizations and for the clients that I've worked with that have had the most success, they've really been disciplined about changing and modifying their habits to Hmm. support the growth. Yeah, that's incredible. I we should camp out on that for a second here. Um, that's one thing at Callbox that we uh, are constantly preaching to our practices is just you know it's this tiny change, but if you do it every day, um, it becomes a part of your regular routine, right? And how you um, how you operate, how you're building business. Uh, we obviously focus most on the phone. Um, what do you have any tangible advice for practices that are, you know, trying to change habits or that are working to make these minor adjustments? Uh, what would you recommend for them to keep up that uh, momentum? 
I had a mentor a while back that explained the health of an organization to me as a triangle with three mm-hmm. equilateral sides. Equilateral. That's a hard word to say. <laughs> uh, you did it great. Don't you. worry. <laughs> One side is results. That's, you know, numbers. Are we, are we meeting our goals, right? Mm-hmm. Another side of the triangle is people. You know, are we, are we bringing in the right people? Are we cultivating the people that we have? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a culture piece, right? And then the other side of the triangle is the process. And those are the habits that create the results that are done by the people. Mm-hmm. And the healthier an organization is, is relevant to how well they balance those three sides of the triangle. Because a lot sure. of the times, and I, and I had this experience myself early on, I was like, okay, the goals, the goals, how many new patients, <laughs> how many new patients, how many new patients, right? And it was driving, right. you know, the collections and the new patients and the collections and the new patients and alienating the people from the why of what we're doing and, and the cultural piece. And, and sometimes people can buy into the why and they can buy into the what, but if they don't know how, if they don't know what are mm-hmm. the actual habits that are going to create the results, then they get frustrated and, and sure. they hit a wall and, and they can't seem to break through. So the better you are at balancing those three pieces and, mm-hmm. and I can, and I can say, you know, two of the processes that I think as far as habits go that serve an organization really well, number one is their meeting cadence. Mm. We'll be having high quality meetings at regular intervals, you know, daily, weekly, monthly as a team. The better we are at the quality of those meetings, the better we are at aligning each other to the why of what we're doing and the how. Mm. And the other is the scorecard. Are we looking at the right data pieces and are we looking at them on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis? Because Mm -hmm. if we only look at them at the end of the year or at the end of the month, we haven't been able to course correct and adapt as quickly as we might otherwise. Sure. Yeah, that's such a good point. I, I mean, I would totally agree with you on both of those pieces, the the meetings, and, and not just are we having meetings, but you, what you said is, are they valuable? Are they worth our time to be meeting? That's huge. Um, and then, yeah, the scorecard, uh, are we measuring the right data? That, that makes a ton of sense. Um, one of the pieces of the triangle that you just mentioned, the people, I know is a big uh, area of focus for you and your trainings when it comes to building culture and having the right uh, teams in place. Can you talk to us more about that sort of leg of what you do? You know, how does it relate back to patient experience um, and how does culture tie into financial health? Unfortunately, I think at least what I've seen in dentistry, that's often a piece that's overlooked um, or even just assumed that it's going to be there rather than being more proactive. Um, Why is it important to be proactive with that? Absolutely. That is the health of the organization right there. It's it's how do all mm. those things line up and, and culture sure. being a foundational piece. And it, I'll give you a framework to think of it. Do you, do you remember in maybe in psychology class where you learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Mm. Yep. Yep. So at the very base of that pyramid, at the foundation of who we are as individuals, we need to feel safe. 
mm-hmm. security. We need physiological and psychological safety. And, and that also means financial safety. Because right. Absolutely. If the practice is not healthy, doesn't have healthy habits in a financial perspective, it's introducing anxiety into the organization. And, and that becomes the culture is this culture of fear and, and, mm-hmm. And I can share with you in a moment what happens to the organization when we operate from a place of fear instead of creativity. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the very basis of that pyramid is, is our organization safe, right? Do Do we treat each other with respect? Do we treat each other the way we treat our patients? So are we safe psychologically in the relationships that we have with each other? Do the employees feel like their jobs are safe? Are they financially secure? Because what happens is we cannot ascend the pyramid, at least for any sustainable period of time, because the next area on the pyramid is the culture piece, right? How we treat each other, how we treat our patients. If we ourselves don't feel safe, we cannot sustainably access compassion and and be giving from from that place to other people. Um, And so I'm a hypnotist. We haven't talked talked about that yet but it's a very interesting <laughs> no but I'm dying to hear more about that so please by all means it's a very interesting take so so let's talk about hypnotism let's talk about neuroscience in the brain sure because I think of culture as the nervous system of the practice and the, and our nervous systems operate much in the same way so our nervous system mm-hmm. has two branches so if you if you put your your hand on the on the back of your skull on the base mm-hmm. of your of your head right there and a little bit to the right. That is your lizard brain. Mm-hmm. That is the brain that is responsible for fight or flight. That's the brain that gets activated when you're in a state of cortisol, when you're stressed out. And in mm-hmm. New York City, especially, we're all in a low burn of cortisol 100% of the time. Because <laughs> of course, sure. It's the nature of the city, right? Oh, yeah. It's all the noise and the smells and the people. So we're <laughs> always on a low burn of cortisol. But when your brain is in fight or flight, that backside of your body, so that's the, that is the dorsal branch of your nervous system, all the backside gets activated. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fight or flight to keep you safe, to keep you alive. So when we're in a fear state, we completely shut off from the ventral branch of the nervous system. That's the front side of your body. And Mm -hmm. all the good stuff, all the best parts of you are on the front side. Think about your heart, your ability to open your heart and feel compassion for other people and connect with them. That's on the front side of your nervous system. Your creativity, if you tap on your forehead, front side of your brain, all of your executive decision-making function, your creativity lives on the front side of your nervous system, on Mm -hmm. the ventral branch. So the more Uh stressed out you are as an individual, the less resourceful you are in your ability to connect with others, the culture piece, and your ability to be creative and make decisions. And that's the mindset piece. That's that next level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's our ability to to grow and to really realize our vision. Right. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. How do you how do you train offices on this? Like how are you talk to me a little bit more like practically? How are you using this? You know, if you go into an office, where does this come into your trainings and your development with them? 
So I have a, a course on self-hypnosis. Okay. Which it's kind of like meditation, but a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. It has an agenda. And for me, I use self-hypnosis for stress management. And uh-huh. I think that is one of the most portable forms of mental health that there is. Because I can use it anytime I need it to interrupt the sure. pattern of anxiety. Because I struggled with anxiety, terrible anxiety as a as a child, as a young adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I came to this work and figured out that I can regulate my own nervous system, that was a game changer for me. So when I'm oh, coming sure. into practices, I'm teaching them how to be less stressed and how to have more fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm introducing yeah. culture and dopamine into the system to counteract right. that cortisol. Right. And it's incredible. I mean, very unfortunate, I think, where just our, you know, culture overall is where stress is often a default, so much so where people are kind of used to operating in that um, frame of mind. And and we just don't have to. Like, there's there are ways outside of that where we can live more, you know, fully um, and be able to give more even of ourselves to our work, to um, our families, you know, um, we just don't have to operate in that fight or flight all the time. Um, I'm curious, you know, with your background, Holly, how did you first get interested in hypnosis? Where did that come from for you? It's such a bizarre story. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, often people are like, what the heck is that? Right? Um, <laughs> right. Because I, you know, I, I was a successful, you know, office manager, operations manager, CEO, you know, I, I looked like I had it all together. And what was really going on in the inside was I was, I was smiling and suffering Uh, with terrible anxiety. The way that I found hypnosis was I was thinking about some of the goals that I had in my life. And one of those goals was to be a parent at some point. I want to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I had a phobia a phobia my whole life of vomit. Hmm. <laughs> and this wasn't just like a little fear. I mean, I would flat out faint on the ground wow. if I saw oh something, heard something, watched a movie. It was it was really extreme. <laughs> and, and can you imagine like you, can you imagine having a child? I don't know if you have kids, oh. you have kids Katie. I do not have kids, no, but I have enough nieces and nephews to know that it's sort of, it's not optional <laughs> to have to deal with that. Well, so. yeah, it would be very inconvenient if mom uh, <laughs> was passing out every time the baby got sick. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, I've got to do something about this. This is just not reasonable. So mm. I, I went to a hypnotist and in one session, she helped me cure a phobia that I had had my entire life. Wow. And I was that's like, incredible. What is this? So I started mm-hmm. learning the neuroscience of it. I got books on it. I learned about how to regulate your own nervous system. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need this. I need to understand this. I need to give this to other people. Because mm-hmm. when you can interrupt a stress pattern at any moment and feel exactly like you want to feel, you feel like you're invincible. You can mm-hmm. live the life that you want. And so I decided to become a hypnotist. Wow. That's incredible. It's interesting. You know, the word um, hypnosis, I think, 
it's it feels very unknown um, to people, and I would imagine um, could ignite just some uncertainty, maybe to put it lightly. Uh, but I heard earlier you kind of link it back to meditation, um, which is something I'm a firm believer in. I have been practicing for um, years now, and it's a similar idea. It's it's the idea of kind of taking back control over. Um, your brain that has been hijacked, right? Um, To kind of regain control and and recenter to, you know, believe what's actually true and happening in this moment so that you can, um, you know, operate out of, right, that creativity and and more productivity, really, at the end of the day. Um, But I've never been operating in this stress state all the time. Sure that they Mm -hmm. don't realize how much more creative, how much more resourceful and joyful they could be if they could learn how to just take that out of the equation. You know, you know, yeah, hypnosis is, is a buzzword. People are like, whoa, that sounds like manipulation. But Mm -hmm. when you're applying it to yourself, it's really influencing your own state. And athletes use it all the time. Tiger Woods. Michael Phelps mm-hmm. used self-hypnosis to hmm. be able to remove stress from the equation and rehearse the game in their mind so that they could achieve their goals. Sure, sure. What kind of um, response do you get from this, you know, uh, within dentistry specifically? I mean, when you bring up hypnosis in a training, is it, you know, wide-eyed or <laughs> blank stares? But general response and maybe talk to us a little bit about what the results have been too yeah I well definitely it raises an eyebrow perks some ears up people are like what so I think that's fun because that's a pattern interrupt in and of itself uh, because it starts a conversation right people are (laughs) curious about it and you but there are a lot of ways that we have already experienced trance or experienced hypnosis uh, you know, meditation, a deep meditation being one. It, what I liken it to is the words flow state. Hmm. And I'm a runner. So I'm actually running the New York City Marathon this weekend. It's so exciting. Oh my goodness. Good luck. Is this, is it your first marathon? It's my first marathon. And I oh, so hypnotized myself through this entire process. <laughs> My, wow. my body doesn't have any soreness. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling wow. strong. It's it, when I am out running two hours, three hours, your brain goes into this state of freedom and joy mm-hmm. and possibility. And I get so many amazing ideas when I'm in that state. And, and I don't know if yours might be from cooking or when you know when you're doing some kind of repetitive task where your brain is just free to explore and think about mm. anything that it wants that's hypnosis right your conscious right. mind is occupied in one way so that your unconscious mind is free to find whatever solutions to your problems mm-hmm. you might not have thought about yet sure yeah that makes total sense um is is this like process for you? Do you find that it's difficult for, um, you know, practice managers or the office um, to adopt ongoing? Or how do you, I guess, how do you teach um, them to take this, you know, process, this strength um, 
with them. I teach them how to recognize when they're in a state of stress Mm -hmm. and how to stop that pattern in the moment and choose a different response. Hmm. And that's in so useful in so many contexts, emotional intelligence, right? Oh, sure. You're, you're having a difficult conversation with a coworker and you're feeling stressed out about it. You're feeling that your palms are sweaty, right? Knees right. weak, arms are heavy. <laughs> That's right. I'm in him forever. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, or with, with patience, right? You got a patient mm-hmm. with a vet. How do I help diffuse this situation? How do I maintain my own chi, <laughs> right. my own zone state, my own flow state, so that I can, you know, find a solution to whatever's going on? Mm-hmm. How can I make sure that in in the culture that we have, that we're constantly pumping those happy chemicals into sure. the interactions that we're having together as a team? Because we will be more productive, we will Absolutely. be more resourceful, more creative, and more likely to retain great staff because they actually like coming to work and they like each other. Absolutely. One, it's so empowering, right? So that kind of, um, being able to maintain that kind of control and remembering that you only have control over yourself in that moment. So it's not impacted by other people in the situation, right? You can, you know, have yourself thinking on the track that you want to think and where you want to be. Um, It's so empowering. And it gives you, in my experience, um, you know, just more of that kind of strength and willpower to continue um, fostering that kind of environment, right? Because it's freeing for you now where the other is so inhibiting. Absolutely. And can we talk for a second about a shocking statistic? Absolutely. The number one most likely profession to commit suicide, doctors and dentists. Is that right? Yes. Wow. I did not realize that. It, and it's from, I mean, like stress, anxiety, is that? Absolutely. Burnout. And I mean, I have a lot of theories on why dentists in general experience a lot of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, I think people who are drawn to become physicians or dentists tend to have a certain perfectionist personality, right? They like to mm. achieve. They like to have a lot yep. of control. Yep. But then think about what it's like to get out of dental school. Dentistry is really hard. Mm-hmm. You have to practice at it to become really great. And then all of a sudden, if you started your own practice, now you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Talk about losing control. Oh, sure. So stressful. So mm-hmm. stressful to wear so many hats. You are, your, your, your ears are being stimulated all the time by noises, right? Your body is hunched over all day long. Now, if you're hunched over, you've lost connection to your lower belly breathing, which stimulates Mm -hmm. the vagus nerve that tells you that you're safe. Yep. So your body's on high alert because you're hunched over all day. Also that position in your back is probably going to make you sad if not disabled or need a chiropractor at some point. (laughs) Right. You're not getting, yep. That's so true. And then you're absorbing all of those emotions from your patients too, because you're in such close proximity. 
Right. Right. That makes total sense. Serotonin is made in the gut. So if you're in that body position all day, if you're sitting mm-hmm. and you're and you're not stimulating that serotonin production, I mean, I love to check microbiome of dentists and see, are, do they, are they just operating with less serotonin because of the body position in which they work? I'm, I'm fascinated right. by that, but it, 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 it could be true. Right. Well, and there's, I mean, even that, there's such a like mind to body connection that I think we often overlook and miss as a culture as well. And so I, I, honestly, Holly, I'm, I'm so impressed with you. I have not ever considered um, just the that sheer fact of the body position in that. But of course, that's going to have an impact on the overall mental state. So, you know, obviously, it's highly important to be practicing, you know, they they can't avoid, right, having to be hunched over like that. But you have to practice the kind of counterbalance there and the the mind control and to not slip into that, like, um, perpetual stress or anxiety state. Yeah. I think uh, there, if you haven't seen the TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, mm. check it out. I haven't. Okay. He talks about power posing as mm-hmm. a superhero. And this is something that Oprah does. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if Oprah can do it, we sure. all are doing it. Uh, yeah. But there, well, I'm familiar, familiar with the concept of it. I have heard of this idea. So Yeah. And what happens when you're in a power pose, which is the opposite of the, the pose in which our providers are practicing, sure. is it creates a neurochemical response of lower cortisol, and higher mm-hmm. testosterone, which is the chemical cocktail for confidence. Mm-hmm. So if if somebody wants to change their state to a more confident, lower stress state, simply by practicing as many times as possible throughout the day, that counter pose, as you said, that, that power yep. pose, and taking that deep breath. Mm-hmm. Especially on the days when you think you can't spare a moment. Those are the days you need it the most. Oh, absolutely. You've absolutely. I need that reminder even. I mean, it, you know, it's true across <laughs> across all industries, I would imagine, even heightened for for our providers. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a cultural phenomenon right now about wearing anxiety or stress or burnout as a badge of hmm. honor. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, look not agree how that. stressed I am. That means I'm super productive and I'm doing something important in the world. Right. What, what about happiness? Mm-hmm. I know we've lost so much with that being the, the default or even the, yeah, as you mentioned, the badge of honor that, I mean, I think that's entirely true and such a disability of, of our culture today. Yeah. I hope I have a little dent. <laughs> yeah, well, I can obviously hear your um, just passion for this industry and really the kind of um, hope in in being able to offer a different way. Um, I know you've got a course that you offer, right? Nine weeks to ninety percent case acceptance. Um, is that sort of your main offering uh, in terms of making a change here, or how do you? How does that course work and maybe how does it pair with your other uh, opportunities? I have been doing a lot of work around case acceptance and using hypnotic language patterns 
Mm-hmm. Make patients feel more open and safe when it comes to saying yes to dentistry. Okay. So this is this is the the foundational work in the course. It's managing the chemical responses of your patients. Mm-hmm. So your patients are coming in in a state of cortisol, right? They're stressed. I mean, dentistry right. is stressful Absolutely. for a patient. Most vulnerable position, right? Laying back, mouth open. Sure. And then the patients who are actually phobic are experiencing adrenaline. Mm-hmm. When you are in a cortisol or an adrenaline state, you are not in a decision-making state because you're shut right. off from the decision-making function of your brain. So you're less likely to say yes and more likely hmm. to say, I'll think about it because you literally can't think. So it, right. for all of us that that tend towards badge of honor stress, and me included, I need to remind myself this, mm-hmm. stress makes you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> so you know, your patients can't think. They can't make decisions. They don't feel safe. And so they want to, they want to flight, right? <laughs> they want to flee and, <laughs> and get some space so that they can think about their decisions. But the better we are at managing their neurochemistry, which is serotonin and dopamine, those are the happy chemicals of the mm-hmm. experience, the more likely they are to be willing to move forward and say yes today. So that's the, that's the course. It's how do we create moments that create dopamine and serotonin. So dopamine is the opposite of adrenaline. It's that Mm -hmm. burst of joy that a patient feels that comes from positive sensory environment, emotional connection, and unexpected surprises in the patient experience. Uh-huh. And then serotonin is the opposite of cortisol. It's that genuine sense of well-being, trust, and confidence in their provider. Got it. That's so – it's interesting to think about the impact that this has not – I think I've been thinking about this more as the impact on the office, right, the office manager, the providers. But when you can link that to – right, the patient experiencing some of this kind of empowerment and freedom as well, um, that creates this uh, memory of wanting to even return, right? So I would imagine not only do you get that first acceptance, but then ongoing, if we can continue to have these types of interactions, um, that's bound to impact, you know, patients returning, right? And 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 it's, a result of how well we as a team manage our levels of cortisol and adrenaline. Sure. If someone's coming to work and they're stressed out, tell them to take a walk around the block because (laughs) because there's something called mirror neurons. Have you, have you heard of those before? I have actually very familiar. Yes. The person in the room with you. Absolutely. So if we're stressed out, the patient is going to feed off of that energy. Mm -hmm. They're going to mirror that too. But if we're having a good time, if we're laughing with the patient, they are mirroring whatever we're giving out. So as Mm -hmm. leaders in our organization, and when I think about the types of people that I want to hire, I want to hire people who are stress resilient, who can laugh at themselves, can laugh at situations, and who make mistakes, own them, and move on, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're more easygoing and easy to be around. Oh, absolutely. It changes the entire 
feel even of the team, of the office environment. Um, and we know there are going to be stressful situations that come up, right? That's the whole point of this. Stress is going to be around us. So we have to be able to um, handle that as it comes. Um, yes, just and interrupt it out. and change it, right? It yep. can either derail you for five days, yep. five minutes, or five seconds. Mm-hmm. If you are a ninja <laughs> master at <dumb laughs> right. <laughs> so do you give that certificate at the end of your nine weeks? Is it like, okay, ninja hypnosis now, you've graduated. How does that work? No, I don't, <laughs> but maybe I'll start giving out ninja stars to all the people Please. who finish the course. You are a ninja yes. now. You have mastered the art of defense against stress. <laughs> I love it. That's so great. It kind of sounds like a Harry Potter class, but um, <laughs> that could work in your favor too. It's too funny. So Holly, looking ahead, you know, at the future of the Lead Well Network and kind of where you're hoping to go, um, you know, in the next few years, even, what are some of your um, goals? What are some of your plans? Uh, what can we be watching out for from Holly Ann Mitchell? I think using my skills at NLP and hypnosis and integrating them into practice management is something that has made such a profound impact in my life, in the practices that I've worked with, that I, I know it's a, it's a niche within a niche, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. The hip, the hypnotist to the dentist, (laughs) 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 of teeth. It's it's using it's using the tools of well being for yourself, sure, for your team, and for your patients, and 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 that's where the hypnosis comes in. It's it's through how we influence our patient state, how do we influence the treatment planning conversation to to get more yeses, and how yeah. do we influence the culture and the people that we're leading so that they can have better lives, healthier, happier lives because of the tools and and the, the support that we've given them to do that. Yep, absolutely. That makes so much sense. Well, I mean, you've got me sold on this whole idea already. So I can't wait to see, um, you know, what's coming up in the next, in the next few years. Um, I know you mentioned uh, running earlier. I just out of curiosity, do you practice yoga as well? I do. Do you? Okay. I do. Yes. I uh, have been practicing for maybe eight years now or so. Um, so much of what I've learned about, um, you know, even just like body posture, the body to mind connection, um, it's been heavily influenced by that. So a lot of the language you were using um, felt very uh, <laughs> like a yoga studio <laughs> to me. So I'm, I was curious if that's been uh, an influence for you as well. It has. I actually put myself in trance before I go into yoga uh-huh. because it's a good way for me to move ideas or yep. move emotions as I'm moving my body. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Um, well, this has been so fun to get to catch up with you and to get to um, just chat with you about what you are learning and how you're able to influence, um, you know, not only just these practices, but truly this 
culture that um, we have a responsibility to help, I think, in any way that we can. Um, I like to ask uh, all of, you know, my interviews in this way. Um, if you could only recommend one book uh, that you would like for um, listeners to read that you would recommend for me to read, uh, what would be your recommendation for us? The book that my life and the book that I recommend to every client and every one of their team members is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay. Because, I have not read it. Oh, absolutely. It's an oldie, but a goodie. I read it every year. I read it as a teenager. I was kind of a socially awkward person <laughs> and had a really hard time relating to my peers and, and spent a lot of time eating lunch alone in high school. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, gosh. That's so heartbreaking and hard to imagine um, after this conversation. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> a long way thanks to Dale Carnegie. <laughs> I, I found this book. And it really, it taught me how to become friends with anyone. Hmm. And isn't that what life is all about? For sure. Quality. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That we create and experience. Mm -hmm. So one, one book that has changed my life and continues to change my life that will change your practice and how people relate to one another. Hmm. A place of liking from I like you. It's so yep. simple, but so profound how oh, absolutely. sending absolutely. that kindness can deepen relationships and create more possibilities for all of us. Sure. Sure. Man, I can't wait to read it now. I'll definitely have to, I'm going to order it today as soon as we uh, hop off the phone here. <laughs> Boy, let me know how you find it. Okay, definitely. Uh, well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, for those of you listening, this is Katie Lawrence here with Holly Ann Mitchell of the Leadwell Network. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Callbox Dialed In. Thanks for listening to Callbox Dialed In. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on future episodes, subscribe directly or on your favorite podcast app. Callbox is a comprehensive tool used by more than 5,000 dental practices and DSOs to optimize phone handling processes, increase appointments, and improve caller experience by providing insight into every patient phone call. To learn more, visit us at callbox.com dental.